Welcome to Banking in the Shadows, a podcast that shines a spotlight on the worlds of financial and cybercrime, how it impacts the global financial system, and the people, organisations and agencies tasked with fighting it. In this episode, we're looking at how children and teenagers are impacted by financial crime and fraud. Young people are increasingly being targeted by fraudsters and lured into using their bank accounts to receive criminal or fraudulent funds, which are then used to conduct scams, commit wider fraud and other serious crimes. This is what is commonly referred to as money muling. Young people who are suspected of money muling are likely to have fraud markers loaded against them by banks or other financial services providers, and these markers can last for up to six years. They can even lose their entire lines of banking and find it difficult to access other types of financial services in future. But what role can financial education and literacy, especially early on in a young person's financial life, play in helping children and teenagers avoid becoming money mules or victims of financial fraud. To discuss this, I'm joined by Louise Hill, co-founder and CEO of GoHenry, the prepaid debit card and financial education app designed to teach six to 18-year-olds how to be smart with money. Louise, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. As we're recording this episode, it is Talk Money Week in the UK, which is designed to get people talking more about money and making better and less financially risky decisions. A topic, Louise, that undoubtedly is close to your heart, as GoHenry is the place where kids go to learn money skills. Louise, why is it so important that kids are taught early on about making better and less risky financial decisions? Well, there is a, an oft-cited Cambridge University study um, that was done several years ago now in conjunction with the Money and Pensions Advisory Service uh, that showed very clearly that children's financial habits, their money habits, start to be formed from the age of seven. And, and that really means if we're not talking to kids about money and starting to teach them the basic money skills early on, They really are missing out on a huge opportunity to master those money skills that will influence the financial decisions they make throughout the rest of their lives. Um, Financial education seems like such an obvious thing, but it is it's a key to unlocking a bright future for the next generation. There is there is strong evidence that shows it doesn't just impact financial decisions, but it leads to improvements in lifetime well-being mental health improvements, better job prospects, and of course, higher earning power. So when you set up GoHenry back in 2012, I understand that you were inspired by your own kids who you'd bought portable music players for. You'd given them some login details for a site where they could download music, but they didn't realize that they were actually spending money when they downloaded a song. And no doubt they probably racked up a huge credit card (laughs) bill, um, which you then had to pay. Um, GoHenry has now grown into, you know, you have millions of customers now across the US and the UK. But 
in those sort of years since you started, how far do you think financial literacy and education for children and teenagers has come? Well, that absolutely was the trigger. Um, uh, it was my kids downloading money, downloading music without a care in the world, and certainly without comprehending that they were spending my money as they were doing so. And the more parents I spoke to, the more stories came out about children who were shopping on uh, on um, internet um, e-commerce platforms, downloading um, badges or accessing different levels in games. The kids were all doing it and we we somehow left them behind. There was really nothing in society that enabled parents to teach their kids in a meaningful way and a practical way uh, about how to use money. I think two elements to to answer your question. Um, on the one hand, if you look at the fintech world and, and you know, Go Henry is part of that world, financial education has come a huge way. So there are a plethora of digital apps and digital services out there to help young people and, and older adults manage their finances in a way that simply didn't exist when I started Go Henry. However, overall, I think financial education is really patchy and uh, the school curriculum doesn't add up. Um, in England, uh, a lot of people will be surprised to hear that financial education is only mandatory at secondary schools and it's in the curriculum which means that actually doesn't apply to schools that don't have to follow the curriculum such as academies and independent schools um, so we really are not reaching young children at the right time um, to that end last month we launched um, a campaign called make money count which is a petition to the government asking them to make financial education compulsory in every primary school in the UK so that we really can start tackling this issue and making sure that every child in the UK receives the basic money skills that they need. That would make such a difference to young people's lives. It, as I mentioned before, it, it, it has wide reaching impact. It drives social mobility, financial equality, and supports the levelling up project and, and levelling up things that the government is working on. And do you think that would also reduce the risk? Because increasingly, um, you know, kids from an early age are accessing mm -hmm. different apps. They're in gaming environments where they're buying clothes for their avatars. Um, the sort of banking and payment side of things is becoming increasingly embedded in those applications. Do you think they have more awareness that they're actually transacting and they're spending money than you, perhaps your kids did sort of back uh, in twenty twelve? Yes, I mean the the kids, the the children and teenagers who have access to those digital services like Go Henry and and other brands that are available um, are undoubtedly more financially literate than their peers. And and we have a lot of uh, research, most recently from the University of St Andrews, that backs that up. That that shows. Um, children who are using GoHenry, for example, um, after they've completed some of our um, what we call money missions, which are little, which are in-app gamified money lessons, um, they are putting more money into their savings. They are considering purchases uh, more in more depth before they perhaps release the savings goal to make a purchase, um, and they are 
behaving in in more financially responsible ways that's that's really important the issue is that not every young person has this access so overall the financial literacy levels are still much lower than they should be and and really that that's one of the reasons why we launched our petition to government but fundamentally financial education is a life skill and we really need everybody's help um, I often get asked, isn't it the job of schools? And I, I, you know, I, I think schools have a part, a part to play, but we really can't expect schools to do everything. And we need everyone's help. We need parents, we need teachers, we need industry, you know, financial service players, um, fintech players like ourselves and government all to play a part in making sure we equip the next generation with, with those much needed money skills. And what about banks? Do you think they have a role to play here as well in, in helping sort of make younger generations of customers more financially literate, but also aware of some of the risks that I spoke about? Yes, in, absolutely. In I, I, I think that's incumbent on all of us. I mean, GoHenry provides a service to six to 18 year olds. Um, as I said, there are other people in the space doing a similar thing in the UK. There are the high street banks who have a role to play as well. All of us, um, I mentioned Go Henry's money missions. We have money missions on online safety, on um, shopping safely online, um, on looking out for fraud and financial scams. It, it's incumbent on all of us to play a role in making sure that that education, that, that knowledge gets put in front of young people so that they have the skills and the confidence when uh, that they can use as they grow up. And particularly if you think about as they emerge as suddenly as 18 year olds into adult financial services and credit becomes available to them, um, it's really important that they understand and feel confident in how to use those tools to their benefit rather than the other way around and that they, they get taken advantage of. And that would certainly make life easier for banks who are often having to educate their customers about a lot of the financial risks and scams. But, you know, the financial and, and sort of digital world has moved on considerably since 2012. I mean, everything is at our fingertips on our mobile phones, in social media, finance is becoming embedded in WhatsApp or other kinds of apps that kids and teenagers may use. So what kind of challenges does that present for uh, I think Go Henry? It, it, it presents challenges and opportunities. Um, so it, it, the fact that we're able to provide a digital service, which is at the fingertips of any, ch any child, any teenager who's, who's using our services, you know, if I think about the generations that we're servicing at the moment, we're, we're supporting, it's Gen Z um, and Gen Alpha. And Gen Z is often re um, referred to as the first digital natives. They are. They've grown up with a tablet or a phone at their fingertips. Um, we would certainly say they're also the first cashless natives because when we look at our data and to, to see how much of the funds that go through GoHenry actually get taken out at an ATM and used as cash, it, it's tiny. And it has systematically gone down every year since we've been, uh, since we've been running the service. Uh, and we're now down at, at um, just between 10 and 11% of, of all of the children's funds. 
And last year, that was £148 million in the UK went through GoHenry. Just over 10% is taken out at an ATM. So they, they, they really don't use cash unless they have to. And um, I think that that creates an opportunity. So for us at GoHenry, it means we can put the information that they need at their fingertips. Our service is a real-time service. Um, so every time a child spends, um, be they a seven-year-old who might be out with their parents or a 17-year-old who is much less likely to be out with their parents, probably out by themselves, um, they, and, and in the case of the younger ones, their parents will receive a little ping on their mobile phone uh, to say, it could be you've just, you've just spent $2.99 at New Look, um, you've got £4.27 left in your left available to spend or it could say you've just spent 2.99 at, at new look um sorry you just tried to spend 2.99 at new look that's above your spend limit that's gently nudging and educating them to think about their budgets their limits and understand what they're doing but also it's a safety net because that means parents are able to see um where the child is, what they're spending money on. They can spot any um, unusual transactions or transactions they're not comfortable with. Um, sometimes that might be the child is buying something, um, buying something the parent isn't too keen on them buying because um, we, we all make mistakes. But uh, it does mean that there is real-time notification uh, in case of any fraudulent transactions or anything the parent really isn't happy with. Do you think the banking community could learn from that? I mean, that seems like such a great service to have. I mean, on some of our sort of online banking apps, on our mobiles, we do get alerts when certain payments um, leave our account. But it sounds to me like we could all <laughs> I do will, of course, go yes. Henry in um, our life. I, I think... One, one of the funniest experiences I have, uh, my, my kids are all grown up now. So my oldest, who's 25, I remember when she moved off GoHenry and went to a high street bank who shall remain nameless. The rage, um, I should have videoed her, when she realized she checked her bank account to, she checked her mobile app to see if she had enough funds in her account because she knew that, that on Monday her Spotify payment would come out. She'd had a look as far as she was concerned. It said she had enough money. And then the next morning, she got a little ping from Spotify to say they'd been unable to take her payment. What it was, was the fact that the bank was showing her, not her available balance, um, but her settled balance. So they were not showing two transaction, transactions she'd made earlier on the Sunday. And um, because she's so close to Go Henry and Thing we've done. She knows that the banks, like GoHenry, know about those transactions. And so she was roaring in indignation about why they wouldn't have provided that information when she'd bothered to check and etc. Yeah, there are lots of things um, that there's lots of data, there's lots of information available. Not all of the financial service players are currently surfacing that information in a usable way to their customers. And yes, more can be done there for sure. And why do you think they're not they're not able to? They've got these old batch processes where it's not being updated in real time. Yeah, some of it is 
Some of it is legacy systems and batch processes. Um, you know, one of the things that, that's come about with fintech and the, the rise of fintech and popularity of fintech is new young players who are building from scratch on agile adaptable systems we have an advantage um that there's no two ways about that we have an advantage and we can build real-time systems and we can um act to put that kind of information in front of our customers and uh yeah, there there is an element of of playing catch up, I think, um, and that's that's not, you know, having talked to a lot of the I'll call them incumbents, um, it's not for want of the will to do it. It is usually down to legacy systems, batch processes, and and uh, that sort of thing. Let's dig a little deeper into financial crime and fraud and how it impacts kids and teenagers. I, I mentioned earlier about money muling, um, and many criminals target their recruitment of mules at university or sixth form students. In your experience with GoHenry, how big a problem is money muling? Well, we, we have extremely robust systems in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, you know, our, our priority has to be and always has been the safety of our customers and the safety of their money. Um, we, we started on day one and continue to work with um, world class trusted partners, including people like Visa, um, Adyen, uh, world class financial service providers. And of course, like any fintech business, we carry out. Uh, what's called a know your customer check um, before we open an account for anybody. So making sure we comply with regulatory ob obligations, but also making sure that we've identified that individual and we know we know they're a real person. Um, we do that when the parent signs up. Um, but I think also uh, we are very clear um, after so many years um, in business, we know what a normal six to eight year olds behavior looks like. We know what normal 14 to 60, you know, we, we have data, we have um, patterns that we know are normal. And um, anything like money muling, any, you know, unusual sums of money moving through an account or um, irregular patterns or money not coming from the parent, um, anything like that, sticks out a little bit like a sore thumb and our systems flag that immediately um, and we're able to go back to the parent or, or um, have a look and see what's going on. And are you seeing sort of attempts to use um, under 21 year old sort of accounts for money muling? No is the short answer. Um, we're not really seeing a lot of that thankfully. Um, but our systems are built and our monitoring um, takes place in order to spot anything like that. We, uh, we, you know, we have a dedicated risk team um, based alongside our contact centre in Farnborough in the UK. Uh, and their sole job is, is monitoring transactions, looking at the patterns, looking at the data and, and making sure we are protecting from anything like that. Um, I think also uh, 
we do an awful lot to make sure we're educating kids and putting out information for both children, teens and parents about some of these risks and what to look for. So we produce a lot of content, a lot of guidance, be that on our app, website, newsletters, blog posts, and embedded in the service itself. Um, and and those, those elements that are not embedded in the service itself, so if anybody wants to go to our website uh, or to our app, they will, you know, they can access that as well. You don't have to be a GoHenry customer to access that information. I mean, how do you have a conversation with children's and, children and teenagers about fraud? Because I guess, you know, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, they trust perhaps social media apps or other or tech companies more than perhaps, you know, Baby Boomer or Gen X. Um, does that make it a more difficult conversation to have because they don't necessarily have a relationship with a bank or they they see different companies as being more trustworthy than yes i think i think you're right in that um no i don't i don't think that makes it more difficult um i think it's a case of putting the information in front of them in a timely manner and our services let let us do that so if we see a transaction we're able to put that information in front of them and if necessary in front of the parent as well um but uh, it, it, it's, it's all, it boils down to it's all about education and it's all about making that education. Um, I always think it sounds so worthy when I talk about financial education, but it's putting salient, bite-sized, timely information in front of people. So it's, it's accessible. You know, it's, it's in the way that they learn because child learns differently from a 12 year old to a 14 year old and certainly differently from the way I learn um, but putting it in front of them in a, in a timely way. We understand that criminals and fraudsters are targeting younger people on social media and there's also especially with the emergence of crypto this um, <laughs> this idea of you can make loads of money really quickly. Um, is that something that you're having to sort of address on Go Henry? <laughs> Um, yeah, we address it head on money. with our money missions. We, we, you know, we talk about um, if it's too, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. And yes, we have uh, money missions on cryptocurrency and what that is and how it operates. And um, you know, we will continue to put information like that in front of our in front of our customers. I think it's important. What what's been interesting to me. Um, is as we've started to roll out that kind of information, aiming it at the children and teenagers, um, hearing from GoHenry parents to say, have you got anything for me? Um, because I'm, I'm realizing that my teenager knows more about this topic than I do. And so looking at how we can provide that information out to parents as well. Um, so that they can have those conversations with their children. Because, you know, I, I've talked a lot about what we do to embed financial education and, and literacy into our services. But one of the biggest wins we can have is if we trigger those conversations about money in the home. And and we we get families to move away from what is perhaps uh, a very British position, a position of not talking about money because it's all a little bit delicate 
actually we really want people to talk about talk about money and we want people to discuss it in the family and if we can if we can be putting out information triggering um behaviors uh and and getting people to use our services that trigger those conversations in the home then i see that as uh, a major part of delivering on our mission to make to make kids smart with money and you've done research which i think you mentioned earlier which suggests that you know students with high financial literacy are more likely to go on and start a business but being more money literate or confident does that make kids or teenagers yes, less susceptible does. to yeah. financial fraud? it absolutely does because it makes um you know that for one they're better able to categorize spend decisions into is this a want or is this need and and decide whether they want to go ahead with this this purchase or not um so they're less uh reactive um, i guess less reactive purchases um they're more likely to be putting some of their funds away into savings um and uh they are just more clued up because they have had the experience um with having access to a debit card where they can make their own within the limits set by their parents that they've had that ex that practical experience i mean think about the alternate which is they suddenly get given a debit card and they can spend with you know no nothing no protections around that at a much later age much much better to start it young with protections with the learning embedded within it in conjunction with the parents supporting and, and discussing with them um yeah it makes them a lot less likely to fall prey to frauds and scams and you know financial crime and fraud continues to evolve uh how are you responding to that uh i have to say by continuing to evolve um you know it's uh i think it's the same in in any industry and it's certainly true in financial services we need to make sure we continue to evolve our security measures we are constantly training our, our risk team all of our team um we're constantly training our member service team and and making sure that uh we continue to learn and and keep abreast of everything that's going on um that's really really important that must be pretty pretty challenging though because digital technologies are evolving at an exponential rate they're throwing up new challenges and risks for kids and teenagers their parents and also new opportunities for fraudsters and criminals as well i'm and there's a whole host of emerging technologies ai generative ai um uh deep fakes um embedded finance where the money is kind of embedded in an application or a server so it's almost invisible you even have um Elon Musk talking about the bank of x yeah. um are there any particular emerging technologies that most concern you um no i do you know i was as you were saying that i was thinking back you know if we go back I don't know how many years it would be now 4 years 5 years by now pay later was suddenly the new kid on the block and um you know that was introduced to the world and incredibly rapidly uh spread across all kinds of purchases 
to the point where, you know, I can now go on to very reputable online retailers and realize <laughs> almost seems to me I can um, spread the price of my sandwich across four installments. But, you know, it, it has gone from nothing to incredibly widespread acceptance in a very, very short period of time. And uh, people have had to adapt to that. We had to adapt to that. We had to make sure we were putting out information about that. What we try and do now is, is wherever we can get an opportunity to be involved. So if we can be part of consultations, be working with regulators, be part of some of the industry bodies, uh, and these are all things that we do, um, to put the voice of remember that children and teenagers are using the are using financial services as well then you know i think that's that's part of the duty of care if you like that go henry has in this space um you know we've we've got to a size where we can be in the uk for sure we can be the voice of young people using money and um i think that's really important that we keep reminding um regulators government policymakers that kids and teenagers are using it too and we need to make sure that policy regulations etc is encompassing those requirements is there anything that you would single out that you think is going to bring about real change for example you spoke earlier about schools do you think that fraud education or even financial education and fraud should be part of the national curriculum I fundamentally believe that uh, basic money skills, money skills should be part of the curriculum. And, and there is a nuance there, Anita, that the curriculum only has to be followed by non-academy state schools. Um, and a lot of people don't appreciate that, don't, don't understand that nuance. So our call with our, our Make Money competition that financial education is made compulsory, mandatory in every primary school in the UK, whether it's an independent school, an academy, whatever it is, whatever the shape it is, because that is a way to reach 95, 97% of all children. And, and that's really important. And do you, what more do you think that banks could do? I think... Uh, I'll refer back to, to the point I made earlier in the conversation um, that I don't think it comes down to one group being responsible for uh, making sure we, we teach our kids money skills. It, I don't think it's the job of the schools. I don't think it's just the job of the banks. I think we all have a role to play in it. So, yes, banks banks already put a lot of education out there, um, but they can play a bigger role. So can government, so can schools, so can parents, and so can organisations like GoHenry. And is there any technology on the horizon? I mean, generative AI, for example, that maybe could send, you said you're sending alerts to young kids now or to their parents when they're spending. Is there any sort of technology you think, looking ahead to the future, that you think will help even significantly improve safety for um, kids and teenagers uh, and using financial yeah. apps. Yes, I mean te technology is evolving 
at an incredible pace. So, um, you know, all of the risk and fraud tools that all of financial services companies are using, they are ev evolving and improving. And for sure, AI has a role to play in that. You know, the, the, the places people think about it being used are perhaps in customer services, providing bespoke responses to people more quickly, more efficiently, but equally in the fraud and risk space. It, it can provide a lot more information quickly. Uh, can, it can work faster and better. And, and I think there is, um, you know, we're only in the absolute infancy of, of how we can use some of those tools to, uh, to improve uh, security and, and safety. Do you think at some point in the not too distant future there could be a bot um, in Go Henry that sort of says to the kids or the teenagers, <laughs> "Have you? Do you really need to spend that much money?" Or this transaction looks suspicious. <laughs> think twice. I, do you know what? I think absolutely. Um, you know, we already use a bot, uh, not an AI bot at the moment, but uh, we already have a bot. Um, that uh, manages to answer probably about between 45 and 50% of all of our live chat interactions with customers um, and, and with a really high customer satisfaction rate as well because I have used uh, chatbots in the past that have driven me slightly bonkers. Um, I hope, uh, we try work very hard to make sure ours doesn't drive customers bonkers. Yeah, I think that will come. And I, I don't think that's very far away at all. That sounds exciting. I think maybe you should develop a Go Henry for adults. <laughs> I've been asked that many times in the, few, in the past, I have to say. But do you know what? We have our hands full with reaching kids and teenagers. Our, our mission statement is to make every child smart with money. And, uh, you know, that word every was chosen very specifically, uh, very deliberately. Uh, we haven't reached every child yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, watch this space. We, ha we have more work to do. Well, good luck with that. And thank you, Louise, for joining us on this episode of Banking in the Shadows. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Banking in the Shadows, a monthly podcast available from thebanker.com, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.